Well, welcome to the Crossing. So good to see you today. Glad you made this part of your weekend. Hey, let's give a big welcome to our Southeast campus, those watching online, our microsites. Welcome to the Crossing today for you as well. Glad that you are part of the Crossing family. Today we are kicking off a brand new series called Open Doors. And maybe you have a huge decision that's going on in your life right now, and you don't know what to do. And you just pray to God, God, just tell me whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I just don't know what to do. Well, in this series over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about how to recognize the doors that God might be opening and the doors that God might be closing. This series is based on a study by John Ortberg. John Ortberg is one of the most influential authors in my life. And so along with the series, we have a small group study that uh, we have some videos that go along with it. And so we would love for you to join a group, be part of this study, be part of this journey. When you leave today, you can grab the participants guide that will guide us through and will help us over these next few weeks in the journey. But there is another book that I want to talk about as we jump out today. And it's a book that's given to graduates when they graduate. And I'm just going to read a section of this, and then you can see if you can guess who the author is. He starts off like this. He says, congratulations. Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. Oh, the places you'll go. You'll be on your way up, you'll be seeing great sights, you'll join the high flyers who soar with high heights, except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. Kid, you'll move mountains. So, be your name Buxman or Bixby or Bray or Mordecai Ali Van Allen O'Shea, you're off to great places, today's your day, your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. Any guesses on who that is? That's Dr. Seuss, of course. And maybe the best theologian of all right there. And the reason that we love that book, the reason that we give it to graduates when they're graduating, the reason that we read it is because it just speaks to this life of adventure. It just speaks to the possibilities of the open door of what might be ahead for you. And when you think about your life, um, who and where you are today is the product of a number of things. It's the circumstances in your life. It's the opportunities that came your way. It's doors open and doors closed. The decisions you made. I mean, think about all of the decisions you've already made today. When the alarm clock went off, you had to decide to push snooze or to get up, breakfast or no breakfast, Cheerios or donuts, shower or no shower, what to wear. And usually if you're like me, if you put something on, you show up and you go, I chose wrong. You know, I just chose the wrong thing. Well, studies show that the average person actually makes 70 conscious decisions a day, 70 conscious decisions a day. That adds up to 25,550 decisions every year. And over the course of a lifetime, you will make 1,788,500 decisions. You are the sum of all of these decisions. You look at these 1,788,000 decisions, and when you put those all together, that is who you are. 
That, that is defining you. The only problem is, if you're like me, finding God's plan sometimes seems more like a mystery than a certainty. I've been at points in my life going, I don't know if it's this job or that job. I don't know if it's this city or that city. And I read the Bible and I look at the way that God speaks to people in the Bible. I mean, Moses got a burning bush. Noah got a rainbow. There is the handwriting on the wall. I mean, God even speaks through a donkey. It's not just on Shrek. It's in the Bible as well. And I begin to wonder, well, God just doesn't speak to me like that. You know, is there something wrong with me? God just just doesn't speak to me. And so maybe you can relate. Maybe you are in the same place in your life. But there is another picture of God's guidance. And this right here, this is the basis of our series. And this is the theme verse that we're going to be looking at over these next few weeks. And this is Jesus speaking. It's in Revelation chapter 3. He says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. And what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know, what you, I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. Jesus says, I place before you an open door. And when Jesus places before you an open door, nobody else can shut that door. Here's the idea of this. The idea of what Jesus is talking about here is the open door is a symbol of opportunity that God has for you. The open door is this adventure to make your life count, that God is the God of open doors. And you start thinking, you know, I I want you to begin to think as we launch into this series, I want you to begin to think, what are the open doors that God is opening for my life right now? What are those? Well, maybe the way that you ask it is like this. God, what is your will for my life? Have you ever done that? You're just going, God, what is your will for my life? What are your plans for me? God, what are the open doors that you have for me? God, just tell me what it is and I will do it. So how do you know what's an open door and what's a closed door? And sometimes... Here, if we're honest, even the way you pray, you're praying like, God, if you're out there, then just tell me what to do. Well, over the next six weeks, we're going to equip you to answer this question. God, what's your will for my life? And what we're going to look at is we're going to have today a better understanding of the foundation of recognizing open doors for us. And probably the best place to start is with God. The Bible actually tells us um, over and over again that God has a will for your life and for my life. And so this week, I actually looked up all the verses that talked about God's will. You know, it says, this is God's will for you or the Lord's will. I looked up every single scripture in the Bible where it talks about that. And let me just list some of them for you where it says, this is God's will for your life. God's will for your life is that you would rejoice always, that you would pray continually, that you would give thanks in all circumstances. The Apostle Paul says, this is God's will for your life, 
that you would submit to authorities. That's what Peter tells us, the Apostle Peter tells us. That you would avoid sexual immorality. You want to know what, what God's will is for your life? You avoid sexual immorality. That you be saved and you be filled with the Holy Spirit. This right here is a summation of what the New Testament says God's will is for your life. Any questions? Now do you feel satisfied? Are you ready to go home and go, okay, now I've got it. So, you know, Now I know what to do. See, while this is a good list right here, and this is what the Bible says, there's something about us that just leaves us kind of emotionally unsatisfied. Because the problem with that is it seems like God is answering our specific questions with general answers. It seems like God is, is answering our specific questions with moral truths. And so here's what we conclude. We just conclude, well, God is not interested in the details of my life. And some of you, you have wrestled with this for a long time. Well, here's the great news. The great news is, is that God is supremely interested in the details of your life. But here's what I find in my life. What I find in my life, sometimes I don't really want to know God's will for my life. I just want to be spared of making a difficult decision. I just don't want to choose wrong. And so it's like, God, I want to kind of put this on you. You tell me what to do because I don't want to make the wrong decision again. And in, we're going to talk about that in two weeks, about that very fact right there. But today, I want to give us the foundation for recognizing open doors. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at a few verses in this letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to this church. And he writes this letter to confront some false teaching that's happening about Jesus. There are, some, there are some false teachers who say, are saying that Jesus is not fully God. But in the middle of this letter, Paul gives us something that becomes the foundation for this topic today. He gives us something that, that becomes this foundation. And what's interesting is the Apostle Paul is actually writing this letter from prison, which means that sometimes the doors that God will open for you will lead you to hardships and struggles. Because we want these open doors to just lead us to happiness and everything work out. But sometimes the doors that God will open for you are going to lead you down a road of hardships and struggles. But God still promises to be with us. Well, here in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, he says this. He says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God. This phrase right here, let's go back here, verse 1. This phrase here, set your hearts. This right here literally means to seek. This, this means to, to seek after God. When he says to set your hearts, this is this idea of seeking after something. Now, when my daughter was, was uh, younger, she would get her heart set on going to Target for whatever the latest toy or video game was, and she would not let us forget it because it was just this relentless, I have my heart set on this. Because when your heart is set on something, you begin this, this relentless pursuit for whatever you want. Paul is saying, since you have this brand new life, since you have been raised with Christ, that you are this new creation that God has. That God has this brand new creation in you. Since you are this new creation, you begin to set your hearts pursuing and seeking the things from above. He goes on in verse 2. 
He says, set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above. Now, this is not, this is different than just the power of positive thinking. This is, this is different than channeling your positive energy. You know, I hear sometimes people say, I'm sending you all of my positive energy. What does that mean? I, I think what that means is I'm with you, but I, I, they say, well, I'm just sending you my positive energy. Well, this is different than sending somebody your positive energy. You have to take out the old, the earthly things. So you take out the old things in your life, these earthly things, and you put in the new, the things above. So it's, it's not just thinking differently. It's you've got to replace what's in your mind. You set your mind on things above. You begin to make this shift. And if we're going to discover God's open doors in our life, we have to change what we're seeking after, and we have to change what we are thinking about. And then Paul says this. He goes, for you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That when we came to Jesus we died to ourselves. Let me just kind of illustrate this with a story from the life of Jesus. In Jesus' life, there was a guy by the name of Lazarus who gets sick and he dies. But the good thing for Lazarus, he was friends with Jesus. And so after Lazarus dies, Jesus waits four days and then he raises Lazarus from the dead. Well, you can imagine after this, Lazarus is a rock star. I mean, people want to be around him. They want to talk to him, and they're inviting him to their parties. And you would too, right? Because you're like, okay, what was it like when you were dead for four days? You know, what did you see? What's on the other side? And so he becomes this person everybody wants to be around, and everybody wants to talk to him except for one group. There's one group that wants to get rid of him. It's the same group that wants to get rid of Jesus. And the religious leaders actually put a hit out on Lazarus' life. They decide that he's got to go. Because they not only want to get rid of Jesus, but now they got Lazarus who have been raised from the dead. So they decide we're not only going to try to kill Jesus, we're going we're to try to kill Lazarus as well. And here's my guess. This isn't in the Bible. This is just my opinion. My guess is Lazarus was not afraid. He'd already been dead once. I mean, what are you going to do to him? He, he's already died once. Do you think the things that stressed out Lazarus the time before were the same things that stressed out Lazarus the second time around? I don't think so. Because after he died, it changed his whole perspective. The Apostle Paul says, For you died that when you came to Jesus, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, you died. The way that the Apostle Paul says this in Galatians, he says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but it is Christ Jesus who lives in me. That you have died, that when you came, became a follower of Jesus, Jesus says, you can't become my follower unless you're willing to die to yourself. And now your life is hidden in Christ, which means... That you don't have to go on this image management kick of trying to get everybody else to think something else of you because your life is hidden in Christ. Which means that you don't have to worry about all the things that people say about you because your life is hidden in Christ. That there is something powerful about this. That when you choose to say, I'm dying to myself and I'm taking Jesus, I'm hiding my life on him. There's something powerful that happens to you. Then God inspires Paul to write the next six words. 
These next six words are perhaps the most powerful words ever written. And these next six words, they don't even make a sentence. They're just an afterthought of Paul. But it is the key to this whole idea today that we're talking about. What's God's will for my life? How do I discover these open doors? What's the open door for me? I remember reading these words when I was in high school. And I thought, that is it. That is the secret to all of this. In verse 4, he says, When Christ, who is your life, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. I love this because it's just an afterthought. Paul's writing this. It's just an afterthought. When Christ, who is your life. So he's beginning to say, you want to know how to change your thinking? You want to know how to change what you're seeking after in your life? You want to know God's open doors for your life? You want to know what God's will is for your life? God's answer is, I am your life. I am your life. It's me. And the reason there's so much confusion and the reason why this is so hard and the reason why God seems so silent to us is because we've thought that God is a component to our life. You know, we have our jobs and our careers and our relationships and school our hopes and dreams, our homes, and we even have God on that list. We even put God on that list. And we say, God, would you just bless all this stuff in my life? Would you just bless all of these things? But God is not a component in your life. God might start there, but God loves you too much for you to stay there. He's not a component. So when we ask the question, what should I do with my life? God says, I am your life. And when you understand this truth, the focus of your life is not the future. The focus of your life is a person, and that's Jesus. And when Jesus is the focus of your life, then Jesus leads you to a future that he has for you. So let me give you this principle for today. This is this foundational truth. And I know for some of you, you're going to go, well, this doesn't feel quite right because I've got a specific thing. But this is where we start right here is that God's will for your life is more about the person you become than the door you choose. This is the foundation of where we start right here. That God's will for your life is more about who you are than what you do. That God's will, God's open door for you, it's more about who you're becoming than the circumstances that you're choosing. We'll get to the circumstances that you're choosing over the next few weeks. But this is where it starts. It starts right here about who you are, who you're becoming in your life. When my son was a senior in high school, he was just a few months away from going to college. And Darla and I took him out to dinner. We took him to Amigos Tacos. We were going to have a little uh, bean burrito that night. So we took him out, and I wanted to talk to him about his future. Because Josiah, he'd grown up at this church when we started the crossing. Josiah was in middle school. He was in sixth grade. And he would show up every single Sunday that, that our first five years, we had a whole team that showed up at 6 a.m. because we were meeting at a school just to set everything up, sound and lights and video and chairs and nurseries and cribs and sound systems. And, and so he would show up at 6 a.m. 
every Sunday, and he would set up our student ministry sound system and help set up our children's sound system. And he did that. And Josiah, he would just lead wherever he had the opportunity to lead. If somebody would allow him to do something, he would do it. And somewhere along the way, over the years, he just felt like he was supposed to be a pastor. Well, we decided to take him out to Mexican food because I wanted to talk to him about all of this. And I said to him, I go, Josiah, I, I know that you want to be a pastor. I said, but is there anything else in your life that you want to do? And he has this puzzled look on his face. And Darla has this angry look on her face. So she's like, you didn't tell me this is where you're going with this. What is going on? I, I don't know where we are right now because I feel like chaos is getting ready to start. And he's like, no. He goes, I, there's nothing else I want to do. And I said, let me tell you why I say that. I go, if there is anything else that you want to do, you need to do that. I go, I don't want you to become a pastor because I'm a pastor. I don't want you to become a pastor because you think I want you to become a pastor. Because what we do is just too hard. It is just too hard if God is not opening that door for you. Because who you become is way more important than what you do. What God's doing on the inside of you is way more important than all of that. I said, but, but if God's opening that door for you, then this will be the greatest adventure of your life. You begin to walk through these open doors that God has, and it'll be the greatest adventure you have ever gone on. Because God's will is more about who you become than the door that you choose. Because God is working in us. See, an open door isn't a phrase to describe any opportunity. An open door is an opportunity offered by God, provided by God. It's an invitation to go on a journey with God. Say, this is what I have. In the beginning of the Bible, there's a story of an unexpected open door. And it came to a man by the name of Abram. We know him as Abraham after God changed his name. But God chose Abram. He says, I choose you. I'm going to build this nation through you. I'm going to build this great nation that's going to bless the entire world where Jesus would eventually come through. And God approaches this elderly couple, and this is what he says to him. Now, this is the way John Ortberg writes it in his book. He says this, Abram and Sarah, today is your day. So get your dad, Tara, and get on your way. You will wander like nomads, and I even think maybe you might have a non-Nigerian baby. You'll be marked by your faith. You'll be marked by a vision. You'll be marked by, you may not love this, circumcision. Like stars in the sky, your descendants will be, though you will tell lies indiscriminately. You'll get lost and confused, and you'll be badly afraid. You'll wait till quite late, and mistakes will be made. You won't know what to say. You won't know what to do. But all the peoples on earth will get blessing through you. With your muddled up faith, you'll do more than you know. And I promise you this, oh, the places you will go. See, God has that kind of a plan for us. And here's what we learned from Abraham and Sarah, is God does not use perfect people to open up the doors and to send them through. God uses broken people who make mistakes and have sins just like us to accomplish his purposes. And God's primary will for your life is not the achievements you complete. It's the person you become. 
And God's primary will for your life is not the job you take or the city where you live or the house that you ought to live in or whether you get married. God's primary will for your life is that you become like Jesus. That is God's main will for your life. And no circumstances can prevent that, which means that God can use a wrong door to shape a right heart. And God can do that in you. And next week, I'm going to talk about the process to discern God's will. But God is the God of the open door. And when we begin to shift our focus from controlling our future to becoming like our Savior, it changes everything for us. When we begin to change our focus from what we do to who we become, then God begins to change us and send us on an adventure that we never dreamed we would go on. Listen, I realize that in this room right now and at our Southeast campus right now, there is people in all kinds of different stages of your spiritual journey. Many of you come here and you are spiritually searching and you think, I'm not even sure if I get this Christianity thing yet, well, this is a great place to begin as we go on this journey together. Some of you are brand new followers of Jesus, and this is a cool time for you because you get to learn about how God is opening up doors in your life. Some of you are spiritual stumblers, and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus but I'm not walking very closely with God's plan for my life. Well, this is a great opportunity for you to get back on track, for you to, to re-engage and begin to, to make a commitment to get close to Jesus again. And some of you are fully surrendered followers of Jesus. And here's what you need to, to understand is open doors are never just about us. It's about the people who are coming behind us. And when you serve the God of the open door, you begin to open doors for people who are coming behind you, and you'll have that opportunity. I love the way that the Apostle Paul writes this whole idea. In, it's in Romans chapter 12. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know how you discover God's will? You just say, okay, God, my whole life, it's yours. All of it is yours. God, I surrender every part of it to you. And he says, then, when he's got all of you, he goes, then you begin to discern God's will, God's perfect will for your life. For some of you, this is the day for you to finally say yes to Jesus. Because you have been running for a long time. 
And you will never be able to go through that open door that God has for you until you've surrendered your life to Jesus and you said, I am dying to myself and I'm now hiding my life in Christ. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that. So we're going to pray together. And as I'm praying, maybe it's just for you just to assess where you are in your spiritual journey. And say, okay, God, take me on a journey. What you have for me. Help me to become the person that you want me to become so I can recognize the doors that you want to open. Father, we thank you for being the God of the open door. That you have open doors for us. You have this adventure that you want to make our life count. And God, there's a lot of us here who have decisions that need to be made and we need your wisdom. We need your guidance. So praying that you would guide us right now. God, I want to pray for those who are maybe taking their first steps to Jesus. And right now, they're surrendering their hearts to Christ to start a relationship. God, collectively, we want to surrender again. Say that Jesus is our Lord and our Savior. We pledge our lives to him. And we pray this in his name. Amen.